today we get more healing stories, more demons. My goodness. This gospel picks up right where we left off last week. So Jesus went, this is still chapter one, still chapter one. So Jesus went from doing an exorcism in the synagogue to Simon and Andrew's house. These are his new disciples. And Simon's mother-in-law has a fever. Jesus comes and takes her hand and lifts her up. and She is healed. And then she serves him dinner. And then more people show up at the door. And Jesus takes care of the whole city. In the morning, Jesus finds a quiet place to pray, but the disciples hunt him down, and they are on the move once more, proclaiming the same message in other cities with the same power and authority to continue to heal and cast out. It's quite the story. And again, I wonder, how do we wrestle with it today? In a world where healing in this way feels like something we only read about in fairy tales. Or at least it only seems to happen to others instead of the ones we love, no matter how hard they pray or try. Again, I'm left wondering, what do we do with these miraculous healing stories? One commentary I read this week reminded me of two important things. The first is that stories about healing and casting out demons in the Gospel of Mark are more about Jesus than the ones that are healed. The point of healing people was to reveal that Jesus had the ultimate power to overthrow demons, to cure the incurable, and give people life. People being healed is a sign of the kingdom of God and a glimpse of the future that Jesus promises. These miraculous healings tell us about the personhood and mission of Jesus. These stories are not intended to make our hearts spiral about who is healed and who is not healed and who should be in either of those categories. Second, these healing texts offer us an opportunity to confront the false notion that health and safety are the only signs of God's presence for us. I don't know if you felt triggered by this story in our post-COVID world, but Jesus gets really close to sick people in this text. Maybe it's not even post-COVID for me, but the revolving door of sickness that has become the Valenti's house, like, Theo's homesick today, and I feel fine, but, you know, I know it could be coming. This story really stresses me out. Jesus goes into the room where this woman is sick. He touches her, and then she touches the food and gives it to everybody. And then the whole town shows up to be healed. The point being, Jesus is not afraid to go to these places of sickness and suffering. In fact, we know where Jesus is willing to go. That he will ultimately go to the pain and suffering, awfulness of the cross, and even death itself. God does not avoid death. God is not absence and sick or death 
but in the midst of it, and proclaims a word of presence and love and hope that goes all the way to the other side. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. As Christ promises to come and sit with me in my contagious mess, what places of sickness and death am I willing to sit with? A few weeks ago, I got to, got to participate alongside of all of our preschool teachers in a CPR training. And I've done a few of these over the years, but this time the training was different. Did you know you no longer have to give those two mouth-to-mouth breaths in between compressions? Mostly because the compressions is what really matters. That's what keeps the blood pumping in the midst of a cardiac arrest. And when you are doing these compressions, some air is actually flowing in and out of the body. But the other reason the American Red Cross took this out is that they noticed that not very many people are willing to help a stranger in the midst of an emergency, even if they have the training. Perhaps it's germs. Perhaps it's liability. All the anxiety. Whatever it is, it stops us. And if I'm honest, I'm not sure if I could do it either in an emergency. But the Red Cross is hoping if we take away that piece of intimate touch, maybe someone would be more willing to help in a matter of life and death. Because it makes a huge difference. Touch in this day and age is such a vulnerable thing. In the pandemic, when all contact was off for so long, I think closeness and touch has had a hard time coming back into our routine. And with all the abuse, especially in the church, the way we touch one another needs to be done with consent and great care. And yet we know through touch can come great healing and connection, acceptance, and care. Studies have shown that positive physical touch is actually a very basic and important need. January 21st was National Hug Day, and these stats were released. Did you know that 12 hugs are required by most humans to be healthy? Twelve. Four is the minimum for survival. 32% of our stress can be dispelled with a simple hug. And it only takes 10 seconds in a hug to lead to biochemical reactions in our brain that boost health. Now, not all of us are huggers, and none of us can bring about miraculous healing like Jesus, at least the last time I checked. But all of this calls to mind that beautiful charge by Teresa of Avila, that great medieval mystic, who proclaimed to us that Christ had no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks out on compassion with this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands in which he blesses the whole world. Christ has no body but yours. 
Dear ones, as we celebrate the last year of ministry in a few minutes at our annual meeting, I've been thinking about all of the metaphorical hugs we have given our community this past year through supporting our missions of the month, folks who are trying to re-enter society after jail time, people facing hunger and homelessness and foster care. It's a really beautiful thing, and we need to celebrate that. I think about all the way we have given hugs through stewardship, through beautiful, welcoming worship that's happened right here in this space week after week, where we have shared a sign of peace, where we have been embraced by beautiful music and God's word for us, where we are fed together at this table and proclaim God's children at this font. Thank you for being Christ's body this past year. And I hope that you can say after worship as we vision together what this next year will bring. I invite you to think alongside me, how can we at Faith Lutheran Church use our hands and our feet and our hearts to look out at this world around us, to bring hope to those who sit in pain and isolation and sickness and despair. But no matter what, dear ones, whether wherever you are on this day, whether you are feeling called to reach out and support someone who you know who is sick, or whether you are not getting the four hugs you need to survive, may you remember that pain and despair is not all that there is. The hope we have in God promises that God is coming to heal the brokenhearted and bind up our wounds. May you find the comfort you need this day. And may we remember that we are God's holy people, called to bring God's loving care in this moment, in this place. Amen. Thanks be to God.